seeing a I'm seeing a field of blurry color. Do you have something in front of your computer? <laughs> so you're Sticking one of those out. paranoiacs who um who who puts a uh who puts a post-it note over their computer camera? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Aren't you? What I'm, sort of we can take a personality quiz and figure out what kind of paranoiac you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite animal? I'm going to tell you exactly what kind of paranoiac I am in a minute, but um, what's my favorite animal? <clears throat> How about We're doing, the, uh, the part, mollusk? Part of our homeschooling, the yeah. mollusk is... Uh, That's a lot of genera, animals, I guess. I yeah. 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 A phylum? Some sort of animal grouping. Been doing a lot of homeschooling here, John. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm not surprised to hear it. And there's been uh, some varieties in quality. <laughs> the National Geographic, uh, which is of course now a, a for-profit company, um, has uh, personality quizzes for kids about like what kind of dinosaur are you, what sort of sure. gemstone are you, <laughs> and it uh, answer a series of questions about how your friends would describe you, what sort of ice cream you like. And yeah, the answer for dinosaur is always T Rex. We tried, <laughs> all, we tried lots of different answers, and it always goes to T Rex because <laughs> they know what kids want. They want to be a T Rex. Yeah, got to be a dinosaur. They Might as well be the king of the king of the dinosaurs. You know? Sure. You don't want to be some dipshit dinosaur. What are you drinking? Quarantine Rex. <laughs> So sadly, that's where we're at. We're all quarantine wrecks. <clears throat> I'm drinking coffee. It's uh, it's it's. You uh, know, we're trying not to go to the store all the time, and so yeah, it's se- second best coffee. I would say third best. Wait a minute! It's, it's like the coffee. Why did you buy? I don't understand. Are you are you sort of scraping the bottom of the of the coffee bin? Is that the problem? Well, I have I have my backup Folgers Costco coffee. Yeah. Which is deep in the pantry in case things really get Mormon. That's not what you're drinking now though. No, this is the uh, um this is what was at Safeway last week. Okay. Okay, okay, sure. Um and it's not what I mainly drink is either Stumptown when it's on sale yeah. or one of the Trader Joe's <gasps> brands. Yeah. And uh, Trader Joe's is straight out of coffee. Sure. Um, even all that was left was decaf. The coffee we drink is this Wegmans Colombian medium roast that I get yeah. in big bags of whole beans. It's very affordable and really good. <clears throat> I mean, if I want something really delicious, I walk down the street to Gimme Coffee, which is our local roaster. And I guess now is in uh, – I've talked about them before. I think they're in New York now too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, – it's sort of like a $50 bottle of wine. It's Is it yeah. really $40 better than a $10 bottle of wine? It's better. I don't think so. But I don't think so. So when I want yeah. a treat, I'll go to Gimme. But the, yeah. So I, when, when, when I saw this um, I saw this catastrophe coming down the pike, I, I got, got yeah. a few bags of the Wegmans coffee. And with any luck, it'll, it'll keep us. Uh, I hope, I hope it holds through. out. I... Uh, uh, I got some Safeway Select turmeric uh, coconut coffee. Oh, turmeric! Wait, is that what coffee. you're drinking? 
No, but uh, I do have it. Oh, Eddie, that's and not that's, better. Uh, that's not better than no coffee. Oh, it's what they had. <laughs> it's what they had. It has an elephant on the cover. <laughs> uh, the bag. I guess you can have a cover. It's a, it's a, a book. book. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we're all right here. I, I uh, saw this coming a month ago, and uh, after visiting my emergency room doctor brother-in-law in mm-hmm. Spokane on my drives back and forth between Missoula and Portland, which are which now are seized. over, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I stopped at the. Costco in Kennewick, which is one of the, the tri cities, yeah, one of the three cities, because I thought that there that uh, news might have reached Portland and uh, there would be panic buying at the Costco, which turns out there hadn't been because no one really believed it. Um, I also thought that the tri cities, which is downwind from the Hanford Nuclear Reservation, is already, although a very nice middle class kind of town of a hundred thousand people, is kind of a post apocalyptic nightmare landscape and there wouldn't be any special buying at the costco because people have already stocked their uh, their nuclear bunkers with uh, enough beans to see them through yeah. yeah were you right about that i was absolutely right mm, yeah. sure yeah so. uh yeah we had um <clears throat> i guess when i did my panic buy um most people hadn't uh, yet. There was definitely there was definitely a bit of heightened energy at the supermarket, mm-hmm. um, but a couple of weeks later, it was a little bit crazy, and this a lot yeah. of the shelves were empty. Um, yeah. The last time I went was a week and a half ago, and things had begun to calm down because people realized that the that things were getting restocked, that the food the food supply was not right. being greatly yeah. affected, and. <clears throat> Um, and, uh, so it seemed a little bit, it was sparser as you can imagine, but a little bit more chill. Um, but that was about the time I started developing a cough and, uh, which I'm glad to see a couple of days ago, you, when we scheduled this, you said that you were uncertain about your status. Uh, let me first, maybe one of the first to say on this Friday, at least that I'm glad to see that you're still alive. I am alive. Um, I don't. Let me be among the first to congratulate you on making it to Friday. <laughs> well, yeah, I, two nights ago, it got. I ha, it wasn't my only symptom. I had of the you know half a dozen symptoms that are commonly listed. I had like four of them, yeah. and um, <clears throat> but I was I felt pretty good. Like I was going for long walks every day. I was not, once I started coughing, I stopped interacting with other people. And then not, not that I was going out and seeing people, like I quit going to the supermarket and so on. Um, and then, uh, I was just going, taking these long walks and still felt pretty good. And then two nights ago, I started to feel bad. And it was that kind of, that kind of thing where it's like, I could have seen myself three or four hours later, like groaning and sweating with a high fever and gasping for yeah. breath. Um, and at that point, Stephanie said, you got to get tested. Um, mm. Then I got up the next day and actually felt a little better, but I still went and got tested. <clears throat> but once you get tested, you are super locked down. So yeah, um, I can't even go outdoors now. 
And uh, I don't think I have it. I feel better today. So it seems to have turned around without getting really bad, which is, doesn't seem to be most people's experience with this illness. But who knows? I, I'm, who knows? Maybe you, know, you have a mild case. Yeah, it could still be that there are people out there who are getting it and never even know it. So um, so we'll know, you know sometime next week um, yeah. whether – and if I'm positive, then I think we're – both of us are going to have to be locked down for another couple of weeks. Um, couple of weeks. And if yeah. I'm negative, I go out for walks again. And I, you know, I, I, my kids were supposed to come over. Um, Oliver was going to be here for a few nights and I had to, I had to, I had to say no. So I, I missed them. They're out at the farmhouse. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, well, uh, good luck to you and everybody. Thanks. What I suggest in this period of quarantine is that you uh, try to find some sort of hobby or pastime that can <laughs> take up some of your idle hours. Uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> I can think of a few people more suited to quarantine. I know. <laughs> the Here's the thing, though. Uh, this is that's, and I know that's a joke going around, especially with self-described introverts, which I'm, I'm really not. But um, I am no, someone who loves social. loves to be at home. I always have stuff to do. I love. You like to, your projects. I like my projects. You like I, a project. I like to consume some uh, media, read read a book, play a game, watch a show. Uh, I like my internet. Uh, I like my music. I have plenty to do, um, and so the life I've been living since the since uh, everything closed is pretty much the same as it was before, except now I'm not going to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. However, I have to say, I it's really sad, uh, even oh, for yeah. a homebody. Like I miss the existence of sports. Like I don't, I don't follow sports or care about sports, but I it bums me out that people aren't out there giving a shit about them and being into stuff. You know what I mean? You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I I care so little about sports that it I the idea of other people being denied sports does not I don't feel bad for them. I I do. I'm sad. I feel bad it. for athletes who aren't able to do the thing that they do, but yeah. Sports fans I I don't I don't <laughs> I I I don't I don't want to say that there's any silver lining to this. <laughs> but on the specific category of of a super sports fan having to think about something else, like the people around them, or <laughs> themselves, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think that that's bad. Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. One of the uh, <laughs> one of the gifts. Uh, so my father passed away in December, mm. as we've discussed, and one of the gifts that that that, that, that brings is that I no longer have to pretend to care at all about sports. <laughs> That was that was part of your not relationship that that was, with your father. That was a, not that that was really a big part of the relationship with my father at all, but but uh, I still felt like I had to keep up a little bit. And now I just seem like a, a normie. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. At least you. Uh, <clears throat> what is the what is the team? What is it? Is it the J Jayhawks? I don't remember. <laughs> Kansas. That might that might be. <laughs> that that's, sounds right. What are some other possible team mascot names? Um, team names of, of Kansas. Let's say let's say you wanted the to the tornado invent... boys. Tornado boys. <laughs> yeah. Is there? I assume the tornado ma- boys. The 
land grabbers. <laughs> Tornado uh, boys versus the land grabbers in a... <laughs> the push you down and spit on yous, I think. <laughs> Titty monsters. Uh, the wedgies, wedgie gifters. Wedgie sure. Gifters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a fan of sports. Although I, I hope I, 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 I it's yeah. I just I hate sports. Um, okay. But I, I, I think physical activity and team building exercises are probably good for people. So I, I do hope that my son has a healthier relationship with sports than I do. But myself, 48, sports, go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um. So uh, I got a. You know, every, everything it's it's been interesting seeing the everything is being canceled uh in the order in which it is supposed to happen in two months. You know, like uh like the or a month and a half. There's a first it was, you know, college for yeah. you know, the rest of school. Um and then there's, you know, various literary events and then uh um there's a they might be giants concert in may here that uh katrina and i we're gonna are gonna we have tickets for and uh we're not gonna mm. that's been that's been postponed till next year i think they very wisely just moved the whole tour a year ahead assuming that it's not this is not going to be over in july we might have a respite no. from it but it's certainly not going to be over so um but i wonder if uh I got a note from Idlewild saying they were monitoring the situation but i wonder if the summer sure. program's going to happen don't know. We're monitoring the situation. Yeah. Um, and the Writers Week, the part that I'm a part of, and that you know, hopefully we're, I'll we're be a part, part of. of yeah. the hopefully you'll be a part of, and Alice and Victoria Chang and all these great people. Um, uh, you know, it's it's not our call. I suppose if they say we're going to have it and we all decide, no, we're not going to go, then we could do something. But it's not our call as an individual program as to whether to call it off. That's a Summer yeah. program wide decision, and uh, who knows what they'll do. They were very quick to um, end the on campus instruction for the academy. Yeah, sure. Um, and so they're, I think, you know, they're very alert and cautious. So, but uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't have any special perspective. I'm suppose I'm in shock. Um, and my reaction to shock is, is jokes. Yes, uh, definitely. I the, when, when we were driving to the cemetery to bury my dad and my friends, Cooper and Kirk were driving me. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I feel, I mean, I, I feel bad. I don't think I was modeling grief very well for them because <laughs> I was just, you know, uh, not that I was being funny. But I was being nonsensical. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that uh, maybe I hope I was funny. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> usually, usually a sign that you're not. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I don't I don't have any special wise perspective on this. I, I yeah. you know, I try to think about it. I just, just start getting goofy. Um, I, you know, I see a lot of on the social media, which I'm now relying on more than, than I, I have or like to, um, a lot of, um, 
people who seem to have have it figured out how to respond. Um, yeah, and I'm suspicious of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely um, I I don't think I'm. I'm pretty good, like on a personal level. If someone says, "Oh, my, you know, my close relative died," I can, I can uh, yeah. give over the the requisite sympathy or the you know say the say the right things. Mostly because I want to, because I because I love the person, I want them to feel better. Um, but in terms of like uh, my my instincts um, for dealing with my own grief are poor. And, uh, generally I, 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 like when my grandfather, maybe I'm not the weird one, actually. My grandfather died. He's got to be going on 15 years ago. My brother and my dad and I were standing around. We're waiting, you know, uh, the funeral had just ended and we were waiting for the ride to, you know, all drive over to the the cemetery for the burial. And, Mm -hmm. um, we were just kind of horsing around. (laughs) We were... Because my grandfather was a kind of a quixotic uh, figure. Like he didn't have a great sense of humor, but he he was funny to talk about. He did lots of um, he did some outlandish things and uh, had lots of um, compelling sort of connections to the community that uh, that we like to talk about. And so we were just telling goofy stories about him and uh, a f- another relative a cousin got really pissed, like. Like, mm. like, so we weren't angry. being solemn enough. Yeah, yeah, we weren't being solemn, and he was just cry- he was just crying, um, in a, you know, in an uncharitable moment. I might consider I might have considered his behavior performative, um, but it was probably genuine. It was just probably the either the way he thought he should behave or the way he naturally behaved. But he, the thing that was irritating, he he was not. He's not down for the way we were behaving, um, yeah. and he thought we were supposed to be more what he thought of as respectful. Um, but you know, I, I that's I, I can't imagine that my grandfather uh, would have objected to us telling you know a spreading right. his legend far and wide yeah. at the uh, at the funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we gotta. I think both of those. Reactions are just as authentic, yeah, and important, you know. So as far as this uh, thing goes, you can't, like, you can't judge. You can't you? Shouldn't judge how other people respond. No, to these crises. I, I have an instinct to judge. Them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 But uh, uh, one one of my objections to the current moment is a lot of people are sharing. You know, poetry. Um, means a lot to people in a time of crisis. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but since I, I think about poetry 20 hours a day, much the way that a lion sleeps 20 hours a day, um, <laughs> I don't feel any special, I don't feel any special appeal to poetry in, in the moments like this. Yeah. Like I'm not turning to it anymore. I'm probably turning to it less than... I normally would, because of its intensity. I'm, 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 I'm trying to find ways to avoid emotional intensity. Yeah. Right now. No. Yeah. So people are sharing. People are sharing a lot of very bad poems. <laughs> Do people right ever share good poems during a not, national not tragedy? Usually. No one not does. Usually. No. Not usually. 
So it's a good time to have a book of poems come out. Yeah. Got a book of poems coming out here in a month, or it's already out. I guess I haven't seen it. Some people have. Well, I'll pl- my and I, my attitude instead of trying to make up for it and, and promoting it or doing anything is, I think, largely pretending it didn't happen. The book, you mean, or yeah. the uh, or the tragedy? No, the book. I think instead of thinking, ah. What a lost opportunity for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's poetry. You know, if, if it finds some readers, it'll find them. Uh, national emergency or not. Yeah. yeah. The book, uh, as as with my last book, which came out the week of, of uh, uh, Trump's election. Oh, my God. Um, I forgot. <laughs> uh, this book doesn't have anything special to say about this, about the people's preoccupations. That's the, the only moment. kind of book I want to read. The book that does not that relate not, to the yeah, of course not. I wonder. I was saying talking about this on Twitter. There's a lot of oh well, you better get going on. There's going to be a lot of uh, coronavirus memoirs. You better get cooking oh, on you. that. It's yeah. like, no, well, I don't want to write or read anything no. about this. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I care yeah. about America and the illness and the people I know who are going to suffer and who are currently suffering. But like people's reflections on it, it's all. I no, don't. Thank you. I am no, not interested. Uh, and, no, uh, and uh, so Katrina was 15 years ago, 16 years ago. We had left New Orleans a couple of weeks before Katrina. Right. Though I, I do not consider myself somebody who experienced Katrina. But we had lived there for a long time, and we had a house there, and we spent a lot of our time there, and I still feel like a New Orleanian in lots of ways. Sure. Um, and um, so there was a lot of art and literature that came out of the Katrina experience and much, much of it profound, but not all of it. Sure. Uh, and here's what ended up, I think poetry can speak to the texture of a time of a moment, um, in an important way. If you want to know what it felt like during and after Katrina, I think the, the only way to really get a feeling of it is to look at the poetry of the time the documentaries are dated novels kind of have their own agenda mm-hmm. their own rules to follow they're not journalism um and and some of the journalism and investigative work was important and i, I feel that that is probably what will be valuable from this experience is is poetry that people write or write in a year from now remembering the texture being able to express the the, the way this feels Mm-hmm. That may be 50 years from now in the way that that uh, Ellen Bryant Voigt's a book of poems, Kyrie, is a great elegy for the 1918 flu uh, pandemic, which she published in, I don't know, 1982, mm-hmm. you know, or William Maxwell's They Came Like Swallows, um, which is about, you know, him losing his, his mother during the, the influenza pandemic. That he wrote thirty years later, um, but the books that the, I don't want to read anybody's emotional reactions to this. That's not disciplined a little bit by verse. Um, what I do want to read is a bunch of fucking uh, investigative um, journalism that yeah. explains how fucked up everything got and is getting fucked up, and how the elites knew what was going on and sold all their stock. And um, I guess I'd like to. I would like to read 
something about the feelings of the rich people who knew what was going on and sold their stock while they told us nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. I like to know about the feelings, the exquisite feelings that they're going to have in some cage uh, while going through uh, decades of torture that uh, um, that I plan on inflicting on them. I'd like to know about those feelings. Yeah, I would. I would love to read about that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. All I I definitely am reading about coronavirus, but yes, it's in the form of investigative journalism, mostly about uh, how shitty all the shitty people are and yeah. how they're making things worse. Um, yeah. Crime of the century. I, I just can't believe his, his approval ratings are going up. It's, Who knows? it's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, people are scared. Of course they're scared. But um, and I guess I guess leaders tend to be more popular in a crisis for that very reason. But I don't. It's temporary. In our certainly in our lifetimes, maybe in the past century, I don't think any anyone has botched anything as spectacularly as Donald Trump has botched the American response to the spread of this virus. It's hard to think of a parallel. It's it's just extraordinary. It's the worst thing in the world is happening. While the worst person in the world is in charge. I suppose the best analogy I can think of is sometimes in the Three Stooges, um, <laughs> Shemp would be tasked with something like holding a hammer or a ladder. <laughs> and, and would not do it. And he would botch that. that that's kind of the <laughs> level of botching. Of like, yeah, Shemp holding a ladder for Mo. <laughs> in which case, we are Mo. Yeah, and Donald Trump is not even good Shemp. He's like, <laughs> oh, that's right. There was this, there was a second Shemp. Wasn't two Shemp. Yeah. yeah, second Shemp. Well, Curly and then Shemp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the nearest parallel I can think of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. It's very, it's very strange. It's very strange, Ed. Um, I, I, I intended to speak with to be positive though. I wanted to be positive and okay. and, 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 and say, uh, uh, see what you've been up to. Well, I, you know, I have been productive. I, I, uh, I had to turn around my, uh, short story collection and I feared that, um, it might drop at a moment when I had limited time to, to do it. Um, mm-hmm. while I was teaching and lo and behold, um, what Cornell did was they I feel like they timed it exactly wrong. They instead of saying we're going to start online teaching on date X, they said begin to prepare for online teaching and we encourage you to start it. Um and then nobody did it. <clears throat> And then, like, overnight, everything changed. And it was the day, I think the the day was the day the NBA shut down. I think for mm-hmm. everyone, that was kind of like the, the trigger that made them realize that this was a big deal. It was but, March 12th. Yeah. So, and then yeah. the, the next day. The 11th. That was March 11th. The, that was my last day teaching yeah. in Montana. Then I drove home the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the next morning I got up and thought, and just wrote to my chair and Cornell hadn't responded to this. I wrote to my department chair and said, 
do you, should I, you know, I, I think I'm going to just start doing the online teaching because spring break was two weeks away. The plan was they'll go home for spring break and then they won't come back. Spring break yeah. actually starts today. Oh, oh, do you have any spring break plans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as you can imagine, that's, a, you know, a lot has happened in that time. So yeah. they miscalculated. And then I put my classes, to, online classes together like all morning and emailed my students and said, we're going online. And then I got an email from the Cornell president that said, actually, school is now closed, period. We will have no classes until after spring break. Um and so we basically have had a three-week spring break. Uh, and I start. When is the end of when? When is the end of classes supposed to be? It was supposed to be the first week of May. Now it's going to be the second week of May. So we're only going to lose one week of of teaching. Um, mm -hmm. Which, and I think that gives at least for somebody like me who's can, you know, this. It's not like I have some experiment going in the lab that needs to be completed, or or the, the you know the the semester will be ruined. Um, so it should be work just fine for me. We had a um, mm. the creative writing department or the creative writing uh, program had a ad hoc um, faculty meeting yesterday where we just got together on Zoom, so a bl mm. blurry grid of professors. <laughs> <laughs> the Hollywood squares. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it was hilarious actually because uh, Valgina was on the call, but sh she just. She didn't speak. She just sort of sagely nodded, and she was coming off as being incredibly wise by saying she, nothing. And then finally, we we asked her opinion of something, she, and she just went. She just, just she said her microphone wasn't working, so <laughs> she just said she just was silent because of technology. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but it worked pretty well, and it, I realized that I, it should be doable uh, um, when breaks over. So anyway. I tell you all this to say I had th three weeks to work on my short stories and I just handed them in. So that's great. Yeah. That's uh, great. And then, uh, uh, and now I'm just catching up on the manuscripts my undergrads sent me um, yeah. and trying to turn them around. I'll probably be done with that tomorrow. And then I'll just, we'll sit around waiting to find out if I have COVID 19 while playing Animal Crossing. I bet, I bet you don't. I don't think I do. You look good. You got a good color. Thank you. You have a good shiny, shiny coat. <laughs> shiny coat. Gonna... A bright eyes shiny yeah. coat. Yeah. yeah. And a very nice sweater. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So Cable uh, knit. Uh, it's brown cable knit. What do you call that kind of a collar? Just a cardigan. Oh, it does have um, does have a must have a name. It's distinctive. Yeah. yeah I the fish, fisherman's friend. Got, got, great. Yeah. Granddaddy. Mm -hmm. Cowl. Granddaddy Cowl. Granddaddy Cal. Granddaddy yeah. Cal. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a pretty good plan. I, yeah. uh, uh, you know, so we finished on Wednesday. Was my I taught Monday and Wednesday, and I told the students on Wednesday an undergraduate poetry workshop, and then a, a, it was kind of a prosody seminar for the grad students. Yeah. Um, I told them, you know, I think I think we're done. They hadn't made an announcement, and most people weren't really following the news. And I said, you know, I think this is probably the last time we'll see each other. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That seems outrageous. <laughs> and, and during the day, I talked to the department chair and you know Bob Baker and, and the program chair, Judy Blunt. And I said, you know, I, even a week before, I said, I think we're probably going to you know, probably be conducting the rest of the semester if, 
from Portland. I'm like, oh, it's not going to happen, you know. <laughs> so I, I so I took off. Uh, so I it was there was a light snow after the, the workshop. Yeah, we'd done two weeks on Tom Glenn, which was really wonderful. So I, yeah. uh, just a, a great teaching experience. And then it was kind of a light snow, and I walked uh, out of the liberal arts building there on the Oval mm-hmm. at the University of Montana. And there was a little snow falling, but you could still see a little haze of the moon above Mount Sentinel. It was very pretty. Mm-hmm. And I walked over to, I was parked back behind the Union, and I walked past Janine Rankin Hall and was looking around and thinking, this might be the last time I ever see this campus. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I went back and loaded up my car and t- took off Thursday morning. And uh, did you, as I was driving. Yeah. Did you pack it was, it was up a planned trip back. Did you assume you're you were not going to return to the apartment and you just packed up all your belongings? I I assumed that I wouldn't, but we we planned on coming back to Montana for so our spring breaks didn't match up. So Oscar's spring break was supposed to be last week and mine was supposed to be this week. Yeah. And so we were all going to go out to Montana for their spring break, or I guess I had that switched around. So I thought we would still Jill and Oscar and I would still go to Montana even if there weren't classes just because we've been planning on it. And I had the apartment, and we'd do a bunch of outdoor stuff. We didn't end up doing that. So I brought back most everything I needed, but not everything. And uh, my, I was been sharing an apartment with the, the writer Justin Taylor. Sure. Who was at uh, McDowell. He had just gone off to McDowell. Oh, boy. Uh, a week or so before that. Um, and uh, so I was driving back through you know, Montana, Panhandle of Idaho, and uh, as I was driving, uh, the radio wasn't working in my car, and so I'd stop. And there's not reliable, you know, uh, uh, cellular service. So I would stop for gas once in a while on, or some coffee, and I would check the the news. And the, you know, the Dow had dropped a thousand points. The mm-hmm. uh, national back, you know, I guess the, the basketball had canceled the night before. But everything was, you know, every, that's the day everything really fell apart. Was yeah. that Thursday? But between leaving Missoula and arriving in Portland, the world had changed. <laughs> yep. It had. And I thought very much of, there's a great poem by Apollinaire called The Little Car, um, Le Petit Auto, uh, which is about driving, kind of uh, being being out in the countryside with some friends and hearing that World War One was starting, basically, and then driving to Paris to get organized and how in that eight-hour drive or so, um, you know what, what he had left the countryside he'd left and Paris that he arrived in had, you know, had bridged centuries. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what it felt like. But like comically so, like as by myself and without really reliable news. And every time I would check, it would be so much worse. Yeah, you know, just an hour <laughs> by hour. Yeah, you know, um, by the time I got to Portland, you know, Portland public schools had canceled. You know, it called everything off and. So I made in that in that eight hour drive, I made the switch from being a a poetry professor of leisure to a full time second grade teacher, <laughs> and have pretty much just doing that for the last two weeks yeah. straight. <laughs> um, which uh, so what which do you I, do? What do you, what's what what are what have you learned? What have you learned about how to parent twenty four seven? Well, I've learned that I, I'm not good at it. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, I've learned not to uh, uh, not to worry too much about how this hour went, the hour badly spent. 
yeah trying to above all keep uh keep it positive and keep everybody in a good mood and if that means that he didn't master the english language this morning um <laughs> then that's fine oscar has he has some writing problems yeah we're kind of in the middle of testing to kind of figure out what that, that means. But he's he's very smart and adaptive and, and likes he's a wonderful kid, but uh, um, is struggling more than other kids his age with writing. You think Not he reading. might be dyslexic? Maybe. He reads fine, though. Oh. He reads very well. It's the, the writing, which may be uh, – Something addressable. It might be. We don't know what it is. Of course, we were in the. We had a meeting with the, um, like the teachers and the like, some school specialists, on the Friday afternoon. That was the last Friday of the school year, mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. everybody was just learning. And they were like, "Well, we'll we'll start the process of you know, um, uh, you know, trying to arrange some testing." But the fact is, nothing's going to happen probably until the fall. <laughs> yeah. Because we're out of we're off work and we're not supposed to work. You know, we're not working. Yeah. You're not working. Nobody's working. Nothing's happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, so we'll put it into the system, and then when we restart the system in six months, we'll start from there. So we're just you know we're working a, a little bit at a time, and uh, we uh, taking things apart and rebuilding them. We made a, a a phone chair. He built a chair, and then he built a little ledge, and we found an old phone. And one of the one of the greatest uh, things, I, I really pity those who are stuck at home right now without a glue gun. Yeah, because they do a lot with a glue gun. Yeah. So we've been gluing a lot of shit to other shit. <laughs> sure, that's been a lot of the homeschooling. It's been uh, using a screwdriver to take things apart and gluing things um, together. Sure. We've got some homeschool rules. Sure, that I, I borrowed. Uh, I sort of cribbed. Uh, ben Lerner sent me his uh, the the setup they have for their kids yeah. for homeschooling. It's, and his wife Audie is a uh, education professor, and so she has acts. You know, has some theories. Um, so we kind of made a whole little space here in the basement. Um, some rules: be safe, be kind, listen, have fun. Three Ps: be patient, pleasant, and polite. Mm-hmm cooperate together uh and byBP be you be proud sure BYBP. BYBP. Not that acronym not a known acronym before that but a lot of acronyms are discovered <laughs> scratch offs <laughs> so morning we have a family circle then we have some choice time and then some topic for investigation today was wind tunnels oh interesting. Uh, some writing time, some goof off time. Wait, wh- which what's, was, um, uh, what's choice time? What kind of choices are made in choice time? Uh, well, we're, we haven't. We're, we wanted to have a like. Here's like ten different things you can do that are fun that you can do. But right now, choice time is really whatever. What do you want to do right now? You want to go do something? <laughs> go do that thing. <laughs> yeah. Want to go eat a banana? That's choice time. Yeah. It's meant to be like more specific, like a Lego project or something. Yeah, Pokemon cards. Sure. Uh, and then goof off time, which also today was uh, jumping jacks on our little um, trampoline. Yeah, like in home, like exercise trampoline, while listening to the rocking new single by Ultimate Fake Book mm-hmm. called "After Hours at Malines." Ooh, okay. Let me get let me get this Eric up. Moline is the drummer, my old college roommate and rock and roll hero, Eric Moline. Uh, several-time winner, or at least one-time winner, of the International Air Guitar 
championship in Finland. Okay. Sure. It was that? relocated from Kansas to Sacramento and San Francisco. But his uh, one of the great Kansas rock bands that he was in, in addition to Truck Stop Love and the Moving Van Goghs. Yes. Uh, Ultimate Fake Book. Uh, they put out their first new album in 16 years. Wonderful. Um, and like with vinyl and everything, and it's great. And they have a really nice video for After Hours at Moline's. I'm having trouble finding that video. Hold on. Oh, wait, there it is. There it is. Official, yeah. official yeah. music video. Okay, good. Yeah. After Hours at Moline's. And it's, it's pretty great. And Oscar likes it. So good. he had a whole uh, trampoline routine to uh, After Hours at Moline's. Very good. Oh, can I, um, by the way, while we're talking about music, can I recommend something? I will, of yes, course, uh, put it in the notes. Um, there was a thing going around when the when this when the virus started getting you know winding up, not not winding down, but you know getting started. Um, there was a couple of days where everyone was uh, encouraging each other to wash their hands for twenty full seconds. I'm not saying right. much of this now. I think it has sunk in. I think we know. Yeah. Um, but uh, people started. Uh, posting links to songs that were 20 seconds long that you could wash your hands to. And but uh, you already, you were prepared. For ex- this. Exactly. I was prepared. So then when I saw there was this guy named Isaac Shankler, um, I think he's like a, he's a, a composer, musician. I think he works for uh, games as well. He makes music for games. Um, I just met him on Twitter. He was suggesting, why don't we put together a compilation album if you have original music that's 20 seconds long. And I, he wants every song to be exactly 20 seconds. Um, we're going to put together an album, a compilation album. We're going to put it on Bandcamp. Um, and he did it. It's called song, Songs to Wash Your Hands To um, by various artists. And I am on yeah. there. Uh, with my song. Don't. Did you make something new for it, or did you? No, just I, it was it's a witch on horseback uh, tune. No, 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 no. It's for, it's, in, it's in a from that out from the out, hundred songs album. Uh, don't don't be a jerk. Yeah. Is this is the song? So um, yeah, well, witch on horseback has has definitely been. Uh, I've been tooling around here in the office. I don't know if you see. Can you see behind me? There's um there's a new. Uh, case oh, yeah. with some gear New deck, in it. yeah it's um it's got uh with the i mean with the the blue knobs the green knobs the white knobs and yeah. the red knobs yeah that thing yeah so, that is new and i i part one of my one of my quarantine projects was to build this uh enclosure with this uh f- like fawn style tolex on it and inside it there is a pile of basically what i was looking for was a spring a stereo spring reverb and the most affordable one out there is made by Fostex. It was a um, rack mount uh, effect from the eighties. And uh, I found out that they, I found one uh, pretty cheap. All the, all these things I got kind of semi broken and then fixed them. And uh, uh, Fostex made a bunch of kind of lo-fi effects that were supposed to go along with their four track tape machines and reel to reel tape machines. So these, the, the spring reverb, there's like a, a delay flanger chorus, and then there's a compressor. And I just have them all in series with each other for this like sort of really crummy, thick sounding, lo-fi gunk kind of thing that, that Witch on Horseback is uh, concerned with. 
So, so assembling that was part of my uh, was part of my musical adventure this uh, this break. Yeah. Is it is it done? Yeah, the the music isn't done. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the the technical process is done. Uh, and also, I went to see um, the last thing I did. And if it turns out that I have COVID nineteen, I wonder if this is where I got it. Um, the last thing I did with other people, we yeah. Stephanie and I were watching. We we're watching that. Um, have you been watching that documentary, uh, Tiger King, on Netflix? I've heard. I'm sure that I'll watch it. Okay. I haven't watched it. It's yet. it's right right down your street. Um, but anyway, there's scenes of people visiting a private zoo in a big crowd, and Stephanie just sighed and said, "Remember crowds of people." <laughs> <laughs> it was only only a couple of weeks ago, but it's it already feels so far away. Um, but uh, uh, I went to see um, Suzanne Chani, who is you know who she is? No, I don't think so. Suzanne Chani is um, she became famous in the seventies for using synthesizers to make uh, sound effects for commercials and music for commercials she did like a you know a famous coca-cola ad those years when every all the all the commercials had bleeps and bloops in them when we were growing up she yeah, made a yeah. lot of the bleeps and bloops and uh ah. yeah and in the 80s she she was one of the pioneers of new age music and so she sold millions of records as a new age artist um but her her two real passions are the piano and modular synthesis, specifically the the synthesizers uh, made by Don Buchla. So un unlike Moog, Buchla never like made a synth with a keyboard. He always wanted you to sort mm. of pro program them like like you would a you know a, you use the cables, use the modules, make mathematical calculations, you know, to and uh, use voltage going through wires to do stuff. Um, and she. Mm -hmm really got into that and uh, became one of the uh, pioneers of sort of modular synthesis composition music. And for years, she wasn't doing it. She, she said she'll, she'll do that for 10 years and then she'll just shun it. You know, um, she, she, her part of her synth was stolen um, back in the eighties. So she stopped, turned the, to the piano for 25 years, just did the piano. Um, but uh Bukla, it's harder. It's harder to steal a piano. Yeah, it is, especially half a piano. And if you, if someone manages to steal half a piano, yeah, good job. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So, uh, but uh, Don Bukla died and um, gave her. She. She. The company got taken over by new people who started making the stuff, the old stuff again, and she now has a Bukla synth again and is on the road. And people are into this kind of music now. They were less so back in the day. So, um, so she came to Cornell, gave a concert, gave a talk. Um, was just super brilliant. Made some amazing music, um, and uh, we spread viruses to each other and in, enjoyed the the sounds of Susan Chani. So anyway, she um, she was making music in much the way I want to be making that kind of music, but. I'm not quite sure how to do it. So hearing mm -hmm. her talk about it got me all excited and it made me rearrange my modular synth. And I, um, I got one new module, which is a sequencer that can sequence different, different signals at different times. And, um, basically I can now make a, a modular synth patch that 
sort of almost plays itself um, with certain degree of randomness and serendipity involved in how the music gets made. So, which yeah. is what I'm really into right now. That's very cool. <clears throat> yeah. But I recommend if you want new some... layers, layers upon layers. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, we like layers yeah. up in here. Yeah. And, uh, she gave you COVID-19. Uh, I, I, d we did not make physical contact. I think she was about four feet away from me when I spoke to her. Um, mm -hmm. but who knows, maybe that's, it's not the recommended six. I, I will nope, say that's though, more of a, I was, I was already, I was already freaked out about being, this was f the Friday after the, so it was like the, would it would have been like the 12th, I guess. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was like, I was definitely going to go, but I was looking around the auditorium thinking, should we be here? Should this be mm -hmm. happening? And uh, I sat very far away from anyone else. And then some dude came and sat right next to me, like yeah. sharing an armrest with him. And I bristled at it. And that's when yeah. I realized that I was more afraid of what was happening than I had realized. Yeah. Um, or you were more appropriately attentive to caution and science than this guy next to you, at maybe. least. I think within a few days, if, yeah. if the concert had been three days later, it wouldn't have taken place. Right. Um, it, I think it was like one of the yeah. last things that happened at Cornell before they shut down the whole school. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still mad at one of my students who, uh, this is three weeks ago, was coughing in class, like uncontrollably, and wouldn't leave the room. I mean, she was coughing into her arm and everything, but she like had a bad cough and didn't seem to be cognizant of anything and and she's I mean, she's a wonderful person and a good student and all that i'm not really mad at her but i am yeah i am i am mad i mean just a um like a instinctive anger yeah like a something some memory you know one of the things this this sort of the we have we have some societal and probably you know deeply imprinted memories of this through the generations, even though it hasn't happened for a while, that that uh, um, bring out in, instinctive responses, and this anger I have at the student, which is really not personal anger, it's like a um, it's like a reptile anger. Yeah, you know, sure. Like one lizard mad at another lizard. Yep. Well, two you know, mad it's, lizards. It's what you feel when you're at a crowded supermarket, and in order for everyone to get their groceries in an orderly manner, everyone has to be aware of what's around them and be paying attention yeah. to where the other people are. And yeah. many people do not, and it's very irritating. And you, you know, I always sort of grumble. Don't people understand how they that they occupy space and that there are others around yeah. them? And of course, it doesn't matter. And then when you leave the supermarket. You forget about it. But now yeah. <laughs> that yeah. exact phenomenon is playing itself out in this yeah. uh, um, clinically terrifying way. Because that person is president. <laughs> that person is in charge of your living or dying. He wants you in church on Easter. Yeah. Sitting next to that guy that you sat next to at the uh, yeah. um, at the Susan Sabrina Chana concert. Yeah. Magic Caster concert. Yeah. <laughs> Sabrina Magic Caster. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what you said, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I would be mad at your student too. I told my class, once this started happening, I started bringing it up in class every day. I was like, yeah. everyone yeah. feel okay? Like, yeah. do you think we're going to finish the semester? Um, but I told them I am basically suspending the um, attendance policy. Like, if you have even a sniffle and you want to stay home, just do it. That there's yeah. absolutely no reason to risk anything, yeah. and I will cut yeah. you some slack. Yeah. So I had a lot of people take me up on it, and I wonder if some yeah. of them ha- actually had it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I know some people with it. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't really matter to anybody. I am shocked at how poorly the University of Montana hand, has handled this and is continuing to badly to handle it. Well, it's just they like weren't going to do anything, and now they're uh, – the specifics are, 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 are dull. But, you know, so we get – you know, I'm just a visiting professor. I'm done pretty much. I'm going to, you know, finish my classes, but I'm not invested in anything else. Yeah. But uh, um, I feel bad for everybody else, and this is maybe what other other universities are are having. But but Montana, there's, you know, the cases have started to develop there, but there's a large Trumpian. You know, you know, Montana is was wonderful and beautiful, but the, some of the people are stubborn and yeah, and that stubbornness is showing in the in the reaction and. And I think there's a lot of pressure, the university and the community to go the other way than the herd yeah. in, in this. And of course, that way is the cliff. But, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they're really slow about getting students off of campus and they're, they, they've, they've been trying to stay open. They're trying to stay open pretty much. Wait, also, st- the university still? is the, the university is, is collapsing, you know, financially. And so yeah. I think the president who is like, 28 years old, um, I think is trying to figure out how to, I don't know if he's trying to figure anything out, but if he's, if he's trying to figure his calculation, I assume is how do we get through this appropriately and also still have some sort of, what's the relationship between this collapse and this other collapse, the collapse of the university because of declining, uh, enrollment and then the collapse of, you know, the health system. And they're trying to. He's got a relentlessly sunny demeanor. That uh, so there's like three or four like campus-wide emails a day, and they all contradict each other. And yeah. basically, the main thing they're trying to do, I think, is not to give students refunds for housing after sending them home. Yeah. And so they're they're sending students kind of mixed messages. Yeah, on, I don't think I don't think Oliver's College is going to give is going to give us housing refunds. Um, he says they're not. I should look into it. I should complain, actually, um, because he is yeah. not living there and he's not eating the food that that right. I paid them to feed yeah. him with. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I feel bad for my students. Yeah. Sure. I, All f- right. I feel bad but for my students. So 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 but to, 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 to get back to my, my trip through, uh, through the Northwest oh, from sure. one era to another. Um. And so I got back and, and you know, made the move to homeschool teacher. Um, and we decided not to go back to Montana this, yeah. this week. And Jill's still working. And she's, you know, until last week, was still going into nursing homes. And so we've, we've really kind of shut things down here on the assumption that she has probably been exposed to it. Yeah. Although we're all fine. 
Um, and so Justice, so McDowell, which is, you know, writers and, you know, 130-year-old writers residency. Have you ever been up to it? I haven't, but I, of course, know no. You're well familiar of with it. it. Yeah. Some of our friends who listen are familiar with it. Yeah. It's basically quarantine. Like you have a little hut and they bring you food <laughs> and you don't need to see anybody. And it seems well suited. So wait, did Justin quarantine. actually go? He had, he had already left. Yeah. He yeah. went as things were kind of up in the air, but they said, come anyway. And so he went, but while he was there, they, he was there for a good while before they said, well, we're, you, know, you guys are probably fine, but you know, we have lives and yeah, you know, we shouldn't be here. So, yeah. so they closed McDowell down. And so he flew back early to Portland. He lives in Portland and, um, and I, part of my shock is just not really wanting to do anything about the apartment and, yeah. you know, and figuring that we're screwed and, you know, we'd go back and get the stuff eventually that I think he's, he and he was being more realistic that eventually really probably meant never. <laughs> and he didn't have a lot of stuff in the apartment. I didn't have a lot of stuff, but we had stuff and to make sure that we didn't end up paying longer. He and I were going to go up, but then. I didn't want to go. And so he ended up going. So he went up, he rented a uh, vehicle and went up by himself and cleared out the apartment. Wow. <laughs> which is the, the greatest favor. I, I've, I've been very lucky in my life. A lot of people have done <laughs> wonderful things for me. This is probably the greatest favor anybody has ever done. It's clearing out an apartment. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Like hauling shit to the curb, you know, taking care of, Whatever was in the refrigerator. But I think there was some shrimp and some arugula. You know, we didn't have a lot of stuff there anyway. Arugula? But I had like a bike and a mattress. Arugula. Yeah, arugula. you know. Arugula. Arugula. <laughs> and that was a great heroic um, act yeah. in the midst of this crisis that he undertook. Uh, I, that's admirable. Although I'm sure yeah. he got some good uh, music and or podcast listening done. During that, I said he reports that he did. He reports he reports that there was a lot of media consumed. Yeah, but there was like a TV. There was some stuff that um, ended up going going to graduate students. So to the graduate students of the University of Montana, don't say we never did anything for you. (laughs) Somebody got nice new TV out of it. Yeah. Uh, So some of the stuff. Uh, went into our friends Mark and Elizabeth's garage. So, and I, and I didn't clear up my office on campus. So you will see that you it. will see that campus again someday. I'll go back, but it might, but it might be you know, it might not be till the summer. Yeah. Uh, but it was a strange ending to my my time in Montana. Yeah. To be sure, I went to Alan Vicks and had one beer <laughs> after, and I went to the Golden Rose and had one shot and one beer. Right. And uh, uh no, no. those were my that was those were the last crowds I saw. That was two weeks ago. I'm, and they I'm weren't so, crowded. I'm so worried about the restaurants and bars. I miss them very much and I, I well, they're all don't you know, they're all closed and yeah. one of the 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 finest bartenders I've ever had the pleasure of knowing was this uh, bartender Bill Stubblefield, no relation to Robert. To Robert, yeah. Um there at the Golden Rose. Uh I've been there for many years and and uh, they've all been let go. Is the the Golden Rose what used to be the palace? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I, w- yeah. I did go the last time I was in Missoula. I did go there. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Nick Ryan, who's been bartending at the Top Hat for seven or eight years. Brilliant. Yeah. Very funny guy. You know, they all got laid off. Sure. Yeah. And uh, what will reopen? When will it reopen? How will they rehire people? Who knows? Yeah. A lot of friends here in Portland laid off. Um, I can't. I can't believe the Democrats actually got through a um, cash cash payment for. I prefer Medicare for all. But. Well, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it's some kind of uh, like yeah. great and brilliant, perfect success. I'm just. I'm no. just amazed at that they managed to get anything at all that's that's worth a shit. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll boy, take- are we not going to? That's the we haven't even mentioned the fact that the that our uh, our presumptive presidential nominee for our party is <laughs> Hansy Grandpa. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Just we'll see what happens. Can't believe it. We'll see who's alive and yeah, right. Summer. What if they, I just thought? What if he's they the all... youngest? He's the youngest in the race. Do you, you know? know Boris Johnson? Has yeah. COVID nineteen? Yeah. How many world leaders are going to perish? Well, I mean, not a, you know, hardly any. You know, if you get it doesn't mean you're going to die. You know. <laughs> yeah, but you know, these aren't the healthiest I, people. I assume they'll do their best for Boris Johnson. They'll yeah. give him a, a comb his hair. <laughs> finally, that might be what kills him. <laughs> probably wash it. I don't know. That's probably. Sure. Who knows what's in there? <laughs> so, Eddie, do you have? Do you guys uh, possess any kind of um, video game playing apparatus at your no, house? No, just just the laptops and things. I think the main reason Justin wanted to get back uh, to get the stuff out of Missoula was because his was it is it Twitch Switch? Switch. What is it called? Yeah, the Nintendo. He left Switch. the Switch there. I think yeah. that was what really I, was the prime mover in the whole. This week, okay. I would definitely, I would definitely drive eight hours to pick up my Switch. My 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 uh, undergraduate students did recommend these games. Okay, let's hear them. Uh, Monst- and I don't know any, I don't know any games. Okay, so I don't know if this is good or bad. Okay, well, I don't know how how this reflects. Okay, okay, on the undergraduate poets at the University. Of I'll Montana. tell you, I'll tell you how the undergraduate poets are faring in their game. Monster taste. Hunter, sure. I haven't yeah, okay. I haven't played it, but it's sort of in my wheelhouse. It's it's supposedly a very fun game. A name like that you don't know. No, it's pretty it's pretty generic. That could be a lot yeah. of different things. Yeah. Borderlands three. Uh I haven't played it. I know what it is though. I think that's Fire a little em- that's a little corny. Fire emblem? Sure. Sure. That's all right. I it's well well regarded, but it's a little too Japanesey, dialogue-y for for my taste, but but it's but people love it. Dreams, dreams is really something. Yeah, what's dreams? It it's like a game creation. It's on the PS4, the Sony, the yeah. Sony PS4, which is the main console that I play games on, and it's. It's an environment for creating your own games and or visual novels or it's a creative tool. So it's Minecraft. It's like a very 
Yes, it's it's Adobe. Well, it's an Adobe Creative Suite. It's sort of somewhere in there. Sure. Okay. So, and then you post your creations, and other people can play them. And some of the like one of the more amusing ones that somebody posted was someone recreated the apartment from Seinfeld and filled every room with horror dialogue so that when you walk around you hear you hear uh, you know you can find them these all on youtube of uh of stuff Horrible. people have created in dreams okay all right i think i i think i just good. mischaracterized fire emblem too i think i'm thinking of a different game but i haven't played it yeah oh, i like that is that is that all they gave you that's all they gave me Oscar's been playing Prodigy, which is a math game that all the kids are playing. Yeah, you have to battle with math. Have you tricks them into learning math? Have you ever, um, have you ever, uh, show? Have you ever seen um, Frog Fractions? No, I'll write it down though. Okay, don't don't. Um, yeah, I'll put a link to it. Don't. Uh, Don't give it to Oscar. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll look at her on my own. Yeah. Don't give it to Oscar. Uh, is, it, is it like cutting? Is it, it sounds like frog fractions could be another word for vivisection, well, of amphibian vivisection. It's no, but what it is, is it seems to be when you start to play it, it only takes a couple of hours to get all the way through it. You start to play it and it appears to be a, an, a math learning game in which you are a frog and you have to use your tongue to grab the answers to fractions problems but pretty soon the answers are incorrect and then everything just goes to hell and it becomes it's like a by design yeah by design it okay it it becomes like a pastiche of all different kinds of games all mashed together in a hyper knowing ironic way and it was made by this guy named Uh uh jim storm dancer who um Who's a, a guy I follow on Twitter? Who seems like a really good uh, guy. Synthesizer but, musician. Oh, oh, I don't know about that, but uh, so like... so uh, yeah, I recommend it. No, the reason I bring up video games is I've been playing uh, Animal Crossing: New Horizons, ostensibly a game for children, but I think it is mm-hmm. already the probably the best-selling video game in history because it launched at the beginning of a a worldwide <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. And in it, you are flown, you play a cute little human whose appearance you get to customize, and you are flown to a um, an empty tropical island where you are tasked with building a town and trying to make friends and bring friends to the town. And you go fishing and you yeah. catch insects and you stock a museum with fossils and uh, you're it doing... It sounds like Red Dead Redemption where you spend a lot of time... Trying to talk to a horse? Or? Uh, I I wouldn't characterize Red Dead Redemption as being that, but I want to play that game. <laughs> the way that people described Red Dead Redemption sounded to me a, a lot the same. I think that... It may be different, but that's how people describe Red Dead Re- Redemption. I think Red Dead Redemption 3, Horse Talker, will be yeah. released in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the game is very soothing and cute and uh you can customize your clothing so i had been spending most of the semester posting 
my fancy threads. You've been living this. I've been You've living been living it. this video game. I yeah. would choose a you know a shirt and a tie and a jacket or suit or a quarter cardigan or something and posting my fashion choices on Instagram. Um, and now I'm I'm not leaving my home. I'm not allowed to leave my home. So yeah. I have so this been. Is what you got? I am creating yeah. outfits, uh, customizing outfits for my character and and uh, posting them on Instagram instead. And I recommend that it's for all ages. Not that you need more things to distract um, your child, of course. I know you want to have a direct hand in his education all day long. Yeah. And you wouldn't dare allow him to be absorbed in something as frivolous as a video game. But just saying. Just saying. What's it called? Cross... Animal Crossing Across the New Horizons, and it's on Switch. This is probably why Justin was going back for his Switch. He needed probably needed yeah. to play this game. It's not secretly Christian, is it? Anything <laughs> with cross in it, I... No, it's I'm not always secretly... alert. Actually, the I'm complaint... I'm always alert. The secret Christians. The, um, the, the complaint that woke people have about it is that it is capitalist. That there's a... Basically, mm-hmm. the guy who's running the show is named... He's a raccoon named Tom Nook. And he is the one who is uh, always encouraging you to renovate your house and take out another mortgage. And then Mm. you have to do all this labor to make the money to pay off your mortgage so that you can uh, expand your house again. Uh, And to what end, people ask. And there is no answer to that other than it's actually you can buy a house by going fishing for four hours, basically. And Mm -hmm. um, that's a an appealing fantasy. So, but no, it's not secretly Christian. There is not really any, uh, not really any religion in it. It's an interesting question though. Are there se- there's got to be secretly Christian video games. Most of them. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, I haven't been reading um, much. I read, um, I read Amber Sparks's collection, um, and I do not forgive you. Um, mm-hmm. And I um, recommend that. It's one of these books that came out just as the the pandemic was beginning, and her, you know, a lot of her promotional stuff was instantly canceled. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'll uh, I'll link to her website. Uh, she's also she's a nice lady, a good citizen of the internet. And uh, the stories are kind of like, do you remember Ralph Lombreglia? Sure. Okay, so. Hands underwater. Yeah. So her stories are not. Ended up lo- writing TV. Did he Party of Five? Did he end up writing did Party he, of did Five? Did he really? <laughs> I think he, he ended up and just continued to be, a, I think, a successful TV writer. Like, I, I feel like her, she's, she doesn't write like him, but mm-hmm. I feel like this work occupies the place in the literary culture that writers like him did in the 80s, which is this sort of like a little off the beaten track, not unwhimsical, also dark, um, very voicey stuff. What I said to her on Twitter was that if it it was published in the 80s, it would probably be a vintage contemporary. It'd be a slim vintage contemporary. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I recommend these stories. And then I tried to read the first of the Fred Vargas um, mysteries. Uh, but it, Where are those? I only got halfway through. Is that the author or is that the character? Fred Vargas is the author. She's a, I think she's, 
an oceanographer or something and had a sideline writing mysteries. They're, they're funny, philosophical, and French. Um, but the first one kind of, the middle was very bloated in my view, but I, um, I'll, I'll probably try another one. Sounds good. Yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't really been reading. I, I spent so much time, I was read like the, the collected poems of Tom Gunn, T-H-O-M-G-U-N-N. Sure. And, and like, you know, taught this like three weeks on him and talked a lot about him and read a lot about him. And I, I've always liked him, but I really went very, uh, very deep on reading and thinking in new ways and about Gunn as a poet and, and uh, I recommend anybody to do the same. They're really very unusual and specific, and and to because it's some some uh, some poets you read the the collected poems. It's, it's like a like a novel, mm-hmm. right? I think reading Hugo's collected is a you can read it and have a different experience than just sort of liking individual poems. You know, yeah. Some people wrote too much to do that. You know. Um, you wouldn't read the you wouldn't read the collected Yeats, the collected Auden. There's just too much of it, right? You know, and uh, but some people there's a some sort of line that that every poem kind of surprises you the way mm-hmm. that you hope that your own days surprise you. Les Murray's this way, and some others, um, and I just really can't can't under recommend uh, reading a whole lot of Tom Gunn. It's, there's there's a collected right. There's a collected and there's a couple of there's a selected and a new and selected, but those are like somebody else telling you about Tom Gunn. Mm-hmm. Like to pick fifty poems of Tom Gunn's, and everybody would pick a different fifty poems, and say this is who Tom Gunn was is very different from from reading all all it's like eight books, twelve books I guess technically. Yeah, um, you know, starts in England, ends up in San Francisco is. You know, kind of around in the kind of the wild times in San Francisco is kind of a leather daddy guy. <laughs> sure. But also like a formal British poet. He's like the same age as Larkin and Hughes, but he's in San Francisco from the time he's 25. <laughs> yeah. And leading a wild San Francisco, <laughs> decadent San Francisco life, you know. Um, but writing about it like Larkin and, and Hughes, you know. Yeah. And uh, taking all the LSD and having all the you know, uh, bathhouse sex and, and then, uh, um, and then late in his career, you know, going through the, the, the AIDS epidemic Mm -hmm. and himself surviving, but losing most everybody that he knew and sort of writing about that, uh, sort of his last few books about that, but in his own way, not in the way that, you're supposed to, or anybody would tell you to write about it. Kind mm-hmm. of, just a, a really uh, one of the great poets, I think, of the English language of all time. Um, but not, not necessarily in a way that if you read one poem, you would say that. You know, you read one poem, you would say this is maybe not good, <laughs> or I don't get what's going on here, or this is one kind of thing, and you're wrong that it's that one kind of thing. You know. Reading the whole breadth of it, I think, is, is was a, that was a very profound reading experience for me. I haven't really read anything seriously since then, but I've been thinking a lot with the you know the everybody getting sick of a couple of books. One of them is they came like swallows, William Maxwell's sort of novella, 
that nobody's talking about, but is I haven't I think, read that. Oh well, it's it's slight. So you mean you mean short or slight? Slight. It's short. Okay. To hold the the, the novella is it's a slight book, uh, in heft. Yeah. Okay. Good. I got one more too. Um, and but also uh, a. a th- book we've talked about before Stuart Onan's prayer for the dying oh sure oh yeah <laughs> which has which has not only an epidemic but also a town on fire a yeah. necrophiliac um <laughs> a main character and it's in the second person yeah yeah and it's I, also pretty short yeah that's that's yeah. my favorite book of his of, yeah of the ones I read anyway yeah it's it's a nice piece of madness yeah. and um, also a, a book that Ann Gisselson edited yeah. A friend from New Orleans. Uh, that sort of is about her and, and other people's experience in rebuilding after the catastrophe. Um, called, and I don't know if it's in print anymore, it's called How to Rebuild a City, Field Guide from a Work in Progress. Um, well, it's on, Just, uh, you can, it's, it looks like it's out of print, but you can, it's, it's findable. Yeah. yeah, it's a good blueprint for the, the rebuilding part. Great. And then one other, one other weird, another little sideline. So after lunch in our homeschooling plan, yeah, we watch a movie. And uh, right now, for example, Oscar is watching Pup Star Three. He likes movies with talking dogs. Oh my God, Ed, you got to get Animal Crossing. I'm sorry, it's necessary. Okay, I'll get it. <laughs> uh, but we were looking around for something. I wanted something that wasn't a talking dog movie or a Night at the Museum uh, movie. Uh, sure. That wasn't Scooby-Doo. Um, and uh, so we were just clicking around, and we, we watched this movie, Night on the Galactic Railroad. <laughs> okay. Which is a 1985 anime film that is, I don't think, is considered one of the classics. <laughs> and it was very slow and... A lot of it's in Esperanto. <laughs> really? And there's a train and there's some the Titanic is somehow involved and and it's very slow. Everybody's a cat. And I quite liked it. Um it seems and have to already be ordered in the, in the, the novel domain. that it's based on. Yeah. Wow, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Um but Oscar hated it so much. Sure. I was really proud of him. <laughs> Because I think it's the first thing that he's watched all the way through that that was not that may not have been good, you know, by his own criteria. And he took he took a lot of delight in how bad it was. Oh, good! That's a like, that's you know, a big step. Like he could he could articulate specifically, you know. Well, characters kind of appear and disappear, and there's no explanation for it. Yeah, and it has an unhappy ending, and. Um, it's really not clear what's going on. Like he was, he was, he knew that it was not clear what was going on. Yeah. Like it, it meant to do that. Like why would you do that? You know, <laughs> he was sort of kind of angry, but also delighted yeah. that somebody would make lot something with lots of bad choices intentionally, yes. and that somebody would allow it to yeah. happen. Oh, um, he has no idea how how very yeah. permitted that is. So I think I should get him a Twitter account right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. he's ready. He knows how to do it. <laughs> he knows what to do. To uh, the the last thing I was going to recommend is my. You remember my buddy Elizabeth Lindsay Rogers, the sure. poet. Yep. She has a new book out. J- just it was came. briefly in New Orleans, right? Wasn't she at Tulane or something for a couple of years? Oh, that 
might be so. Um, she's in DC now. Well, um, yeah. And uh, her <laughs> at, the mo- at the moment, her full time job is caring for a ten month old, <laughs> yeah, stuck in in her apartment. But uh, her new book, The Tilt Torn Away from the Seasons, is uh, poems about um, a uh, a mission, human mission to Mars, and the subsequent colonization. She's sort well, of looking like at it. climate change and other disasters through the lens of a Mars colony. Um, is it possible that our destruction of the Earth climate is a form of terraforming for some other alien species? Sure. I think that's quite possible. Oh, God. Mm. My phone is ringing. Hold on a okay. second. Hello? Oh, God. It's Angela from the warranty department. I'm So I have the f- – because I got this test, I'm supposed to – this health department is supposed to call me every day to ask me how I'm doing. And, yeah. but usually I filter out all calls that are not from people in my, in my book and my right. contacts. Yeah. But they, I don't know what number they're going to call from. So far, so you they, have to answer them all. So yeah. I have to answer the, the phone and all spam calls now have what, you know, yeah. whatever your own area code is. Oh Yeah. And yeah. this somebody keeps calling me from this number, and I'm missing it. And I just finally entered, it and it's it's freaking it's freaking spam. So you're picking up the phone, saying this might be somebody, a doctor calling to tell me that I have this uh, global, <laughs> often fatal disease. Exactly. Exactly. And for a moment, that is exactly what the call is. Yeah. Until it becomes too vague. To do that, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. After that, I'm thinking, you know what? Whoever is terraforming us, just could just take it all away. Just go for it. Take it all. Send them down. We're, we're done. We've got it done. We're ready for you. We prepared the way. Yeah. What do they say at the end of uh, 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 the cabin in the woods? The, the end? There's a, good, there's a good line about giving up on the world at the end of that yeah, movie. that's right. I don't remember yeah. what the line is, though. Oh, that's right, because they fuck it up. There's like a slight chance at the end to stop it, and then they... They're like, eh. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right. I, I sent you a link to the Monster Project, by the way. Okay. Which is also giving us a great deal of joy. Kids draw monsters. Professional artists make better drawings of them. Yeah, this looks great. Okay, good. I'll link yeah. to this for sure. It has given us a lot of joy. Okay, good. All right, so yeah. it sounds like you have to go, and I have to talk to the warranty okay. department. All right. Uh, well, I hope you get your warranty. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch.